This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Oh, yeah, here we are in the studios again. It's the opening kickoff, and we got stuff to get to. Mark, Lee, Bronner in the studios for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSC and WNSP. Thanks for hanging with us. Lee Shervanian, where do you want to go, football or basketball? I think we probably need to go football. All right, we go football. Georgia. Number one. How about that? Third week, finally jumped over Ohio State. Buckeyes, you're number two. Georgia's number one. Georgia's right back where they belong now. What do they got, like a 28-game uh, win right streak, where they belong something now. like that? Uh, they're playing at Tennessee this week. Uh, our, our question later on in the show for the Chick-fil-A will have to do with uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. But the one that surprised me, though, and I, and I watched this in real time. I know you were busy with McGill winning your basketball game last night. So they didn't come on at 6 o'clock. They did it between the two championship right. games, well, these classic games. So after Duke defeated Michigan State, then I poured myself into it. And then when I found out Missouri number 9, I, I wasn't like shocked, shocked. I was just kind of pleasantly surprised. Good for them. Because if there's ever a team in the SEC that's flown under the radar, it's Missouri. So they are number nine. Now, as far as the top eight, the only change, Georgia over Ohio State. Everybody else stays the same. Alabama eight, Texas seven. And, of course, you know, that was what the comments were by good old Boo. Oh, Boo. Boo. Yeah, Boo Boo. So, um, and Louisville number 10. So we actually had two newcomers in the top 10. And obviously with Georgia beating Missouri, that makes them, you know, look better as did their win over Ole Miss. Ohio State basically doing it to Michigan State really didn't help them that much because they dropped to number two. So that's where we stand right now. We still have a couple of weeks to go. I wouldn't think you're going to see much movement next week because the games are kind of right. off the radar, so Mark. The, the big question now here in the state is how much more, how many more opportunities or is there an opportunity without any losses or I'm sorry, with, yeah, without any losses ahead of them for Alabama to, to jump ahead. Now, Boo was asked about the Texas-Alabama thing. And look, you're gonna, your stance on this topic is basically going to be aligned with your allegiances. If you're an Alabama fan, you're going to argue that you're a better team now than Texas is right now. That you'd probably win by double digits. And I'd probably agree with you. Everybody else in the country is going to say, but they play head-to-head, and then you're going to react, but it was in week two, and it's all about how you're playing now. I get it. We've had these arguments for years. I don't know if the committee's going to budge on flipping or having Alabama surpass Texas. My only guess is I think – if they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, I think they're going to make that switch because Texas folks will counter with, well, we didn't have our quarterback in the whole deal. It's what I love about college football. It's also what frustrates people about college football. But I think most of us agree that if those two teams played today, Alabama wins that ballgame. I would agree with you. I believe 
and I'm not guaranteeing it, I believe that if Alabama beats Georgia, that they jump ahead of Texas, if Texas remains undefeated to this point. And that still may not be. That's not going to get them to the top four is the other problem. Oh, I think it will. You think they jump? I think Alabama, if they beat Georgia, jumps into the top four. I really do. So they would jump from like seven, eight or seven or eight at that point to like four? Well, if they take care of Auburn, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Miss Terry. Watch the rat poison, Miss Terry. Yeah. No, I'm serious. I mean, you know, you look at Alabama and Auburn and you think, oh, my gosh, there's, there's no way. Hey. Brian Harson and that remember that year they had Alabama on the ropes to the last second. Yeah. I mean it, and and they almost lost the game with Harson coaching Auburn and and how how much of an underdog they were. So anything can happen. So I'm not ready to sit here and tell you that Alabama's going to romp or, or beat Auburn because it is at Auburn and Auburn's playing better now. They beat Auburn and if they take care of Georgia, I think they move into the top 4. I cannot it's hard to say this. I can't conceive of the committee keeping out an SEC team in the Final Four. Now, I'm not saying it's a guarantee. It's just it's just a whimsical guess on my part. Been wrong many many times. Just just my thought process. If Alabama continues to do what they're doing lately, now Texas still has to win the uh, championship game, uh, and I. I don't even know who they're going to be playing now. I, I said Oklahoma. I mean, where, where do things stand now? Who would they face in the um, Big 12 championship game? Uh, you got Washington would probably still have to, what, face Oregon? Yeah. Do they uh, in the championship game there? So there's a lot to be decided, but it's all going to come down, I think, to that final weekend, which is going to be just terrific. You know, with, with those games, I mean, the ratings for college football fans should go off the charts. But I'm one to believe, and maybe because we're here in Alabama, maybe because we carry Alabama football, that I really think that if Alabama beats Georgia, the number one team in the nation, that it, good things will happen. We'll see. Agree, disagree, Mr. Bronner? Well, I'm glad Lee brought up the Iron Bowl. <laughs> like, it feels like that that's being dismissed. Uh, I I think that I I, I kind of uh, dismissed this early in the season when Auburn was looking the way they did, uh, saying that this team is worse than the 2021 team. This team is better than the 2021 Auburn team, and this Alabama team, I I think they're worse than the 2021 Alabama team. I it was it was clear and obvious at the beginning of the season that they were. Now maybe that water is a little bit murkier. I still think they are worse. Obviously, the the great equalizer is uh, or de equalizer, I guess, is Bryce Young. Uh, that is not like a uh, a sure thing by any means. I, I, it's kind of being dismissed as oh, if Alabama beats Georgia, well, they gotta they gotta go to Jordan Hare and beat Auburn as well. Uh, so I'm glad Lee brought that up. Well, you remember he, that, that two years ago, uh, Auburn didn't have a quarterback that he could move in that game. What, what they had like it was 10-3 or something at the end, and Young threw that uh, pass at the end to send it into overtime. But Auburn, they couldn't do anything on offense, and yet they stayed in the game right till the end. Yeah, T.J. Finley uh, he was move. not was not. If Bo Nix had started that game, Auburn would have won. I mean, that's that's certainly reality. Um, but it is what it is. Injuries happen. Same thing, uh, you know, Alabama hadn't had wide receiver injuries. They might have won the national championship, too. So it is what it is. Uh, but all that being said, yeah, I'm not really all that surprised Alabama stayed at eight. <laughs> Do I agree with it? No, I don't think there's any reason to keep Oregon ahead of them. But committee seems to be establishing that. I, I don't know. I, I, I continue to believe that they're going to jump 
that they're going to be in the top four if they if they do win out. Again, if they do win out and beat Georgia, I just I don't know. Georgia has to stay undefeated for and I I really don't think they're going to struggle with Tennessee. Tennessee's not a very good football team. Tennessee is a good football team at home though. They've won like what 14 in a row there. Fair enough. Maybe maybe they keep it interesting. I think they keep it interesting. But I for Alabama's sake That'd be really bad if uh, Georgia were to lose to Tennessee, but yeah, I really you want to keep Georgia undefeated going yeah. in. You want them to stay number one because it looks a lot better. The committee, if in fact they did make a sizable shift and and put Al if Alabama beat Georgia, at least they come out well. They beat the number one team in the nation, but if they beat a once beaten Georgia team, it doesn't look so good. I also think there's maybe going to be some chaos this week. Maybe Texas this loses. Week? Maybe Texas loses to Iowa State. Maybe some other wacky stuff happened. I think Washington's going to lose to Oregon State. Um, Did you yeah. see the story that came out on Oregon State and Washington State? No. The two teams are the only two remaining teams for 2024. They've gone to a judge who has ruled that the Pac-12 is now in the hands of those two teams. They run the conference after this year. That means all the assets can go to those two schools. They make the decisions. Now, this is going to go to a higher court, of course. But they took the case. In other words, the all the teams that are leaving have no say anymore. And those two teams, Oregon State and Washington State, basically they, they own the conference. It's a two-team conference right now going into 2024. And any decisions as to teams coming in or the millions of dollars in assets, that sits with those two schools. Uh, you guys can jump in on the conversation at 694-1055. Another question as we transition here, because uh, I want to get to it. Which offense is better at this point in their seasons? Alabama football? Alabama basketball? <laughs> basketball. But they really uh, haven't played anybody of note yet. Let's see what happens with But three straight games over 100. Wow. That's like NBA stuff. Yeah, they uh, they just put the smack down. Speaking, on. can I throw this out? Did you see what happened in the Golden State game last night? It's never happened before. Three players were ejected before any team scored a point. And Golden State, yeah! how do you like that? Golden State went into the game without Curry because he's nursing an injury, right? So, and I was I looked at the box score out of curiosity this morning, and I saw Clay Thompson played two minutes and didn't score. I'm like, uh oh, did he get hurt? No. He and Draymond Green were both ejected along with one player from the T-Wolves for a scuffle less than two minutes into the game. So Golden State, they lost by three points. They played without Green, they played without Curry, and they played without Thompson. Yeah. Hmm. It's a long season. Isn't that a pretty good coaching strategy? You, you need just a night off. You tell your team, you say, look, guys, get into a scuffle, take out their two of their best players, and we only lose one. Pretty yeah. good strategy. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You, you watch the uh, – well, there wasn't much. I turned the radio on to listen to Chris Stewart. By the time I did, the Jags were down by, what, about 22 points? Well, they – Alabama won by 56. <laughs> they are uh, they are hammering teams. We'll see what happens. They have a – you know, they have a brutal stretch of non-conference games in December to play like Purdue, Arizona, and Creighton in back-to-back-to-back games, uh, who are all top 10 teams right now. So we'll see what happens there, but – 
It looked like I mean I was trying to keep up with it. It was like it was like fifteen, fifteen, and it was like twenty. It was the Jags? The Jags like, were up like, like five at one yeah, point. I'm like, okay, all right, I see you, Richie. It was at dinner. I had I had the phone like posted yeah. up, posted up the side, and I was like I was peeking over, and I was like, all right, what's going what's going and, on here? And it wasn't like it wasn't. It, I mean, it was. I guess it was like twenty at half. It was around twenty. So I'm like, all right, let's. let's if you just play even Steven the rest of the way, I was I was thinking because we talked yesterday. The I was spread like, was around twenty. Yeah, I was like, if you can get it, if you can get out of there at twenty or you know maybe a hair under twenty, that's a that's a dub. Yeah, and then I I didn't check for a while. And I went back and went. Oh. Let me tell you, I've been on the uh, short end at many games like that, doing Jags games like Cincinnati, Kansas. I remember even Auburn. It's not much fun. It's not much I fun. I can't imagine. When you're in the second half and you're down by that many points, yeah. you're like praying that they keep the clock running. Don't stop the clock. Yeah. I don't, think they, I don't, don't care think if they, they do go that. to the <laughs> – Excuse me? I don't think they do that at, at, in major college basketball, though. No, they, no I'm <laughs> being facetious. But I'm just saying if you're announcing the game, it's painful yeah. uh, because you know the game's over with at the half. I've, I, there was a game we once played at Louisville. Gosh, I think they ran off the first 16 or 17 points in the game before we even could breathe. Yeah. So uh, the uh, Alabama basketball team now back-to-back-to-back uh, cons- back back 100-point uh, output, so you can just certainly jump in on that. All right, let's, uh, let's tell you what we got going on. We're going to talk to South Alabama's Braylon McReynolds at 630. Uh, we'll do some high school. Uh, BC Rain coach Lawrence Yelding will join us at seven. Jeff Bauer on the sports narr- of the sports narrative at seven thirty. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide, at eight o'clock. We'll talk basketball and football with Chris. Um, Matt Wyatt on uh, everything going on at Mississippi State. That's going to happen at eight thirty. By the way, uh, Jameson Williams kind of set the internet on fire last night for or yesterday for his fast food uh, take it's a little different now I'm curious to get your your thoughts on this guys we'll share it with you next here comes the scoreboard traffic and weather we're off and running it's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP hi this is Bill Hancock executive director of the college football playoff and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Sears finding a wide open Walters. And that's a good read right there by Mo- All right, 623. Thanks for uh, getting up early with us. It's a Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff. Guys, Jameson uh, Williams, the former Alabama receiver, set the internet on fire last night. On his day off, he went to McDonald's, which is not unheard of. His combination, though, has everybody reacting. He has a, he gets a cheeseburger. Did y'all see this? He gets a cheeseburger, Lee, and a McFlurry. Both are delicious. But he uses the McFlurry as a topping, like a condiment. He literally puts the McFlurry, scoops it on top of the hamburger. I'll su- uh, suggest to my son-in-law maybe they should look at that. Yeah. So how do you guys? Huh. How do you guys? It's almost like a, uh, 
like a like you'd put a sauce on it and eats it that way and everybody on the well not everybody but most of the internet went nuts and so it got me thinking the presentation of it would certainly ha has me scratching my head a little bit but I don't really have a problem with it I don't know if I would do it myself but you always I mean people have traditionally had a burger and a shake right and you usually chase the burger with a sip of your shake anyway so why not just combine them people put you know a big thing at wendy's is you dip the fries in the frosty it's kind of the same thing right yeah, people like that one yeah does that would that bother you it's odd um i don't know if i'd do it i mean i don't need like that I don't know if I need the ice cream dripping out of my burger. <laughs> I don't have a problem with anybody with whatever they do with the food. It's up to them. You know how my I would, don't would, eat, but you don't. I, you well, don't, I don't eat fast food places. You know that. So, but it, do you like shakes? You used to like shakes. Oh yeah. Did, I do. Would you ever? And you've had burgers before. Would it ever occur to you, or do you think it would be a horrible? Okay. Well, what's the difference when you're eating a burger and but the shake the same thing? They're going into your mouth. They're both the same. They're right. Going in your mouth, so it's the same it's thing. It's that whole. And see, here's you're the, saying putting it on before you eat it. To me, it's, it's like just, yeah, like from a from a standpoint of like consuming it, I don't think it it's it's that big of a deal. But the idea that someone is sitting there pouring a McFlurry on their burger. See, I have this. Take at our house. There's an individual who will, like, when they have their food on the plate, they can't touch. I don't know if you've ever come across that. There's this, this mindset. Don't, don't have my potatoes touch vegetables. And I said, but once you eat it, it's all in the right. It's all the same. You put it in your mouth. It's it goes all the in same. the same way. It comes exactly, out exactly same, same way. way. <laughs> so I don't know, Jameson. More power to you. But I, I know this that I don't think you'll see that on the menu. At McDonald's, because in talking to my son-in-law, everything comes from the top. It's not like, well, we well, we can make a decision. No, you got to get uh, the, 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 go to the top rung. Well, maybe a Detroit area deal will do the the Jameson or something. I mean, assuming that you can get the McFlurry machine to work, of course, get and, and get that done. But you see, here's the other thing too, and I don't know if you guys are, you're not like this because you don't eat fried food. But after I eat fried food, I have to have something sweet. Mm. It's like an addiction. Well, I have to have something sweet after anything I eat. I mean, I'm talking about anything, whether right. it's grilled, broiled. I always have to have like, I'll go. We have, you know, little little candies, uh, Milky Ways or dark chocolate. I always do that. Yeah, that might not be exclusive to fried food. It is for me. I could probably get away from. I could probably get away with not having it, but when I have fried food, I have to have chocolate after. Have to. Well, we both agree on that. I had, like yesterday, after I had my meal, some M&Ms. What was your meal? Spaghetti. I love spaghetti. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brody said, yeah, it's better than mayonnaise in the coffee. Yeah, who was that? Will Levis that did that? At, uh, we. Is that where that one came from? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's just, that's just vile. That's vile. I mean, I'm with Jameson. I'm all, I, I can, but no, no, I'm not doing mayonnaise in the coffee. Anyway, I'm just wondering if you guys have some sort of strange meal concoction. Jameson doing the McFlurry on on the burger, like as a like a condiment, like dressed no tomatoes. Well, and I would hope, add a McFlurry. I would hope that he gets more notoriety for what he does on the field for the Lions. He's been kind of banged up over the years, and every now and then he plays. So. If this is so far his uh, his name out there, uh, 
you know, I hope he gets gives the Lions a little more production on the field than off the field at McDonald's. Yeah, he's not very good at catching the ball. Probably a prerequisite for a receiver. Yeah. <laughs> he was the number one draft choice too, wasn't he? I think Garrett Wilson was taken. Oh, are you? If you're saying for the Lions, yeah, he was a first round pick. I I don't know if you meant like no, the first receiver. No, talking about the, the Lions. The Lions. Yeah, he was uh, a first, first round pick. pick. Thank you. All right, that was well, a good I'm receiver class. Glad we got that straightened out. Hey, we're gonna talk some football next with uh, a South Alabama Jag, Braylon McReynolds, set to join us. We gotta get you qualified for the Alec Naaman Catering Party with another round of naming it. We'll do that in this hour as well. Uh, we'll also do some Chick Fil A a little bit later in the show. Uh, but it's 6:28 here on a Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff. Mark Lee Bronner right here on the Sports Station WNSP and WNSP.com. Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner. We're in the studios of WNSB. Holy Toledo. What a game that was. They were down, uh, let's see, something like 28 to 3 in the first half. Toledo. And they came back and won it with 145 to go on the Finn touchdown pass. So Toledo is now 10 and 1. They're not in the top 25. The only non power five team still is your, I w- I'll say, one of your favorite schools, Tulane. Yep, Tulane. They're the only one. So right now, if it if it went to the the final day, like to, uh, today being it, Tulane would be going to one of the uh, to the, the, the Alpha Bowls, one of those six bowl games. Uh, but anyway, but a, a great comeback by Toledo to win that game. Speaking about comebacks, our next guest, Braylon McReynolds, former McGill Tulane running back, back on the field. Braylon, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good. I am so happy you're back on the field. Take me through your injury. It happened, what, in the second, first game against Tulane, I think? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, recap for us. What happened? And did you even think you'd be back on the playing field this year? Oh, well, uh, see, what happened was I was running a uh, kicker turn, and um, I guess I got tripped up. It was kind of like a shoestring tackle, and I guess the way I fell, I guess I fell pretty hard, and I broke my. I ended up breaking my collarbone twice, well, in two different areas. And as far as like being back on the field, I I really didn't think I was going to be back. So it was really just a blessing for me to uh, be able to to come back and be on the field and play with my guys again. So uh, you got back on the field. I think it was what a game ago, and were you tentative? You know, when people come back from a long-term injury, because you miss most of the season, what is your mindset going on the field? And, you know, just take us through that. Um, of course, I was, a, I was a little hesitant, you know, being back on the field, you know, missing eight games. It's kind of – you're not really going to, like, go back on the field and kind of be the same person. But the way I, I try to think about it is, you know, if, if it's in God's will, then – 
I should be able to go out and do the same thing that I did before my injury. But um, as far as, like, being hesitant, I kind of – I mean, I was, but after I got that first piece of contact and I realized that I was okay, it was kind of like, come on, let's play football again. And after that, I just went out and I did as much as I could do as far as being my first game back. Hey, Braylon, it's Mark, man. Thanks for jumping aboard. What uh, Was there any discussion uh, uh, with Kane or, or any of the coaches about a potential red shirt since it, it happened so early and because you missed so much of the season? Was that ever a, a, a point of conversation? Uh, yeah, that was definitely a conversation. Um, actually, red shirt this year. Um, I, I'll be able to red shirt due to me only being, being able to play four games. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so when I come back next year, I'll just be a, a red shirt sophomore. So, are you very much in the game plan this coming Saturday against Marshall? Uh, yes, sir. What, what? Yes, sir. They have some. Um, they have certain plays for me specifically, and um, I just plan on going out and doing the best I can to help my team win. What were you doing when you were hurt and couldn't play? Like, were you on the sideline? Uh, were you in the stands or, or, or just what? How, how were you helpful to the team in any way, shape, or form? Oh, uh, well, I was on the sideline. And um, Coach Shadid, he kind of kept it in my head that I was still a leader and I still have impact on the team without even being able to uh, play. So he just wanted me to go out and, you know, support my guys and do all that I could to make sure that everybody here was in the game and everybody was in the uh, – in the right mental space, you know, without me being able to be on the field, it kind of, it kind of hurts. But you know, me still, me still being able to go out and help my team in any way, that's still uh, an important role that anybody has to have. What what goes on behind the scenes when you're injured, as far as getting back on the field? Is it a medical decision? Do you have much input? I would think you'd have some input on it. How does that work that you actually got back? Because I don't think any of us thought you were coming back this year. Oh well, it was it was definitely a medical decision. Uh, it was really based on uh, how I feel and what the doctor said. And you know, of course, my parents had a decision. Everybody around me had some input on if I should come back. And uh, based on like the X-rays and how everything was feeling and how I was feeling, uh, we took it day by day. And it, it was a lot of rehab, a lot of a lot of hard rehab. But you know. After after so long, it only feels so good, and it's only gonna uh, it's only gonna hurt for so long. So after that, if I it was really based up on uh, how I felt, and they made sure that I was I was completely healthy before I came back. Take me through your first carry against Arkansas State. We're talking to Braylon McReynolds. He's back with the team after missing eight games. But the first time you got the call against Arkansas State, what happened? I remember, like, um, Webb had broke a, a long run, and, you know, usually after that, um, the, the our running back coach, he'll try to get he'll try to get us out so that we could get a breather, and I ended up being the man that he ended up calling, and uh, it was kind of in the red zone. We ran the outside zone play, and, um, I mean, it kind of didn't go as I expected. You know, I had a one-yard loss, but... Me just being able to feel that impact and get back on the field again, that was pretty good. And I felt I felt good and pretty confident in myself and in my shoulder after um, that first carry. 
What's the uh, what's the best nickname someone's ever given you because of your playing? I I know I know the the, the human joystick is kind of out there. Are you good with that one, or or, or do you have one that you'd rather go by? Uh, the human joystick is pretty good to me. That's that's the one that I I pretty much use the most. But another one, um, it was back in high school, and I actually never met this guy. My parents met this guy, but it was kind of an older guy, and he called me the Magic Man. All right. Okay. The magic <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, he caught the magic man. I guess it was due to me being able to make something out of nothing. Yeah. Well, you had to do a lot yeah. of that in high school sometimes, man. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, sir. And that was that was pretty fun. That was that was a nice that was a nice one. I think that was the only one that could rival the human joystick, just because I've had it for so long and it fits me so perfectly. You know, every game, Braylon's important, of course, when you only play 12 regular season games, but you go in there, what, 5-5, five and five, and I think Marshall, pretty sa- almost the same record. So each team is looking to become bowl eligible this coming Saturday. Has that been emphasized during practice this week? Oh, uh, m- Most definitely, but, you know, the next game, Jake's important as the next game because it's the next game. And, uh, of course, bowl eligibility is um, – it's something that we definitely want, but we really want to win out. That's that's kind of our goal. That's kind of our goal because we feel as if our record shouldn't shouldn't be this way, and so we want to end off on a high note. He's the magic man, Braylon McReynolds. All right, so let me ask you this before we let you go, man. Uh, help us uh, with this debate we're having. Jameson Williams, the Detroit Lions running uh, wide receiver, uh, set, set the internet ablaze yesterday because he puts – a McFlurry. He scoops a McFlurry onto his cheeseburger <laughs> to eat it. Where do you stand on this hot topic? <laughs> That's a definite no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a definite no. Uh, I'll I put, I'll like dip my French fries in, in my ice cream sometimes. That's, right. That's a rare that's a rare thing for me to do, but I did it, and it's not that bad. But a cheeseburger. That's a that's that's a no for me. That's a hard that's a a hard pass for you. (laughs) That's a hard pass. (laughs) All right, hey man. I don't know. He might he might know something that we don't know. There you go. I mean, I was gonna say something, but I'll let it stand. All right, hey, human joystick. We appreciate it. Congratulations on getting back. Uh, Glad you're healthy, man. It's great to see you back on the field. Uh, Be careful out there. Have fun, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. You know, I don't know if you're even aware of this, but uh, it seems like these players are, you say they get up early, but they actually have, they go to practice in the morning. South practices in the morning. Right. Well, that, hence why they get up early, I guess. Well, that's a pretty good reason uh, that we're able to get them on, like at 6.30. I've been told that after that, 6.50, it, it gets too late to get them because uh, they're either working on the field or film work or whatever. Yep. Um you guys can jump in. We talked a lot about uh, – I asked the question, which offense is better so far at this point, uh, the Alabama football or the Alabama basketball offense? You can get in Alabama basketball, three straight 100-point outputs. And, of course, we've been talking about the college football playoff and whether – at what point – is there a point in the season, and there ain't much of it left, that Alabama would – they would jump Alabama over Texas? Um that was a, a point that was brought up to Boo there. We're just going to call him Boo, although I can't take a man's name Boo very seriously. I'm sick of Boo. I know you are. Um, are you, no one's ever called you Boo? <laughs> Has anybody booed you? 
They need to. I just the whole show is just. Just drop the rankings. I don't know. I actually appreciate the fact that it was a thirty-minute show, not a sixty-minute well show. They, I'll give you that. They do Fair enough. They do it early. They don't. They don't lag behind. And all right, we'll be back to give you number one or two. No, they go right into it. I I I like the way they. They do, do it. on the final one. No, they did it yesterday. No, I'm saying on on the you know the definitive like last one of the year. Um, but that being said. It is quick. Well, that's it, a four-hour show, so yeah. I can see that. <laughs> it, it it is quick. It's not. It's not. It's just like who's sitting there all week being like, I can't wait to hear from Boo Corrigan this <laughs> this week. Well, I, I I so they the 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 problem the re, the great the better questions are asked by the media after the show. There is a there is kind of a teleconference that you they can jump on. And that's where the I think the more interesting stuff gets asked. I think because the broadcast is so short, they just have to kind of they have to they have to ask these very general questions. The problem with the show in and of itself is that whoever the committee chair is is never really answering a question. It's all very like on the surface, like they won't directly answer a question. And even, a, even his question about Alabama and Texas, the answer was was but and, uh, and was also, crap. when's the last time? I can't remember, but they had a, uh, a spokesperson who was charisma. You know what I'm saying? A guy that really came across, even if you didn't like his answer or thought he bypassed the question, at least had a sense of humor to it, or, you know, uh, Corrigan, like many of them, are just dry, dry, dry. Yeah, I mean, what do you really— It's hard to listen to them. What do you really say about Alabama-Texas? Here's the quote. Two really good teams. Alabama's continued to improve, and Jalen Milrow has gotten better each week. As we look at it, the importance of the head-to-head is there, just as conference championships are. But as I think I said on the show, the debate in the room continues to be strong as we're going through this and making sure that we're looking at everything as we gather more information. Bro, you just you just talked for ten seconds and didn't say anything. I'm glad the debate is strong. <laughs> I think actually last week he mentioned that you know he he kind of wished he joked that it would kind of work itself out because now it's getting more difficult. But dude didn't say anything. Like you were asking direct questions. That's what I'm saying. That's the problem with the show is the answers are just they're not even vanilla because vanilla would indicate that he's actually answering the question yeah the questions are right on i mean reese davis doesn't pull back but again you these chairmen they just don't it's the same with the basketball committee too they don't they don't really give you and i what get you want to hear right and i get it because they don't want to dig themselves a hole that they can't get out of in 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 in, in the next rankings but Man, just just if you want to do a show, just give give them to me and and give me Kirk and the boys breaking it down and give me a hot take or whatever and let's just move on. I'm so I appreciate the thirty minute version. I, I don't need sixty. I'm still pleasantly surprised about Missouri. Never saw that one coming. Nobody ever talks about Missouri except to downplay them. And with an eight and two record, my gosh, they're up there at number nine. Here's something to throw at you, Missouri wise. Eli Drinkwitz, A and M, maybe. No, <laughs> <laughs> I figured you'd he shut that on, down quickly. He was on, yeah, he was on the the hottest seat coming into the season. I, I'm happy for him. What now? What? I don't know if the, no, I don't know how hot that seat necessarily was. But of course go, you don't. go ahead. Finish. What do you mean you don't know? The thing was when you list, you saw the list of coaches, okay, and the only SEC coach that I saw. Prior to the season, 
that the job may be in jeopardy was Eli Drinkowitz. I didn't agree with it because I like the guy. The guy's got personality. He'd be good as a spokesman for the college football playoff other than Boo, he'd be much better than Boo Corrigan. But that being said, this was a year where things, if they had gone south, may have cost him his job. But as we see every year, when you think something's going to happen, you usually get the opposite. I thought Arkansas would be better. They're not. And now Pittman is probably hanging by a thread. Uh, even with Texas A&M two weeks ago, no way they're going to fire him. Too much of a buyout. He's gone. Why, why wouldn't uh, Drinkwitz be a candidate for A&M? Will you tell me why he would? You brought it up first. Well, why would he? He he's wanted a play. I I mean, if you want to argue he wouldn't take the job, that's that's a fine I'm not argument to make. That because I think anybody who would be given a pay raise like that would. I'll be give taken. you. A, I'll give you an argument for him, uh, and it's it's something you just mentioned. Uh, his team is number nine. Missouri he's is won a lot nine. of games at a place it's really hard to win games at. Not to mention he's recruited really well at a place it's really hard to recruit at. I mean. Talk, talk about a really talk about going from Jimbo to Drinkwitz, a really unlikable guy to a really likable guy. I think it's a great fit. Do I think it's you know the super super exciting hire that A and M fans would crave? Maybe not, but I think A and M fans would rather have him than like Jeff Trailer, this UTSA guy that a lot of people are throwing around as a possibility. So I don't know. I, I I'd like I like Drinkwitz to A and M as a fit. Well, we'll talk to Jeff Bauer, the sports narrative. We'll get his take on that. He's a little closer to the scene than we are. All right, so let's do this. It's 6.48. We come back. Let's get one of you guys qualified. I feel like there's a little tension here. Let's let's lighten the mood. Grab you a cheeseburger. Throw a little flurry on top. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat here on a Wednesday edition. And But we'll come back and we'll get you qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party. That's right. Another round of you guessed it, naming it, where we play an audio file, and yes, you identify said file. How's that for my game show voice? That's, that's the best it's been. We'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. play you an audio file person place or thing you be the first to identify and get it to Bronner. we'll do this on the air 694-1055 and the first person to identify i think it's pretty easy Bronner. what do you think i'd be shocked if the first person doesn't get this all right here we go dj play that stuff let's get out of here all right there it is short and sweet if you know what that is give us a call at 694-1055 Coming up at uh, 7 o'clock, we are going to talk to BC Rain coach Lawrence Yelding. Uh, we will also talk to Jeff Bauer, the sports narrative, in hour number two as well. Uh, give us a call. We will see who can be qualified because this is it. This week, a week from Friday, we announced the final, final uh, tailgating party. Thank you. I, 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 it was on the tip of my tongue. And uh, we will do that. So, uh Anyway, keep the uh, we got one. We got one. All right, here we go. Knock it out of the park. This is an easy one. 
Was that Chip Carey's home run call? That is not Chip Carey's home run call. Thank you for the call. Uh, Michael, you shocked? Are you in a state of shock now? Yeah, but I just got blown out of my chair. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I did. Where did he that was, one he was come not, from? He was not in his chair. Where did that come from? Chip Carey, gosh, he's yeah. been gone for a year. All right, we got another one? All right, let's hear it. Go ahead, caller. Tell us what that was. Was that the was that the play-by-play from the kick six? No, it was not. Are you shocked now? Are you on your shock? I, I'm a little surprised. Do surprised. we need to replay it, yet? or do we have another one, uh, Mr. Bronner? You guys can't even should, get. Should I try? Should I replay it? One yeah, let's let's replay it one last time. Let's get out of here! <laughs> All right, six nine four one zero five five. You guys got to go back to predicting games. You're not very good on this. Wow. All right, here we go. Go ahead, caller. Tell us what we what we just heard. That was Chris Stewart. Indeed, it was Chris Stewart. That's kind of his thing at the end of a game. Uh, who are we talking to? This is Michael. Michael, congratulations, sir. Stay on the line. Uh, Michael, the other Michael, is going to get the uh, your information, and you are the latest to qualify for the Alec Naming Catering Party. Uh, Chris Stewart, by the way, will join us at 8 o'clock. All right, speaking about people who are going to join us, you, you and I are off the air. We're talking about Jim Nagy. He's going to be on uh, weekly now on the afternoon show with the Senior Bowl show. He'll join us tomorrow. They issued a release yesterday, the uh, 75th anniversary team. That includes quarterbacks Dan Marino and Brett Favre. So the way it's worded, these these 75 uh, legendary players, many of them Hall of Famers in the NFL, will be here during Senior Bowl week. The uh, Chavez Furnitures, the draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl presented by D&K Suit Discounters starts today and every Wednesday at 5 p.m. leading up to the Did big game. Did you see who this one caught my attention? One of the ones that was voted in, Pat McAfee. Yeah. So that means he'll, I guess, be in Mobile. Uh, he, he's all over the place on ESPN, that's for sure. Also from Alabama, there was nobody from Auburn that was uh, voted in by the fans and everybody else who voted, but Sean Alexander and Cornelius Bennett were voted to the 75th anniversary Senior Bowl team. Yep, very cool. So make sure you listen tonight, today at 5 uh, and every Wednesday moving forward. Um, for that, that should be a lot of fun. The Chavis Furnitures, uh, the draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl presented by D&K Suit Discounters. Now, when we have them on tomorrow, if we had to go through that, we'd only have them on for, yeah. what, two minutes? Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, all right. Uh, we got some time here if y'all want to jump in. I have something for you. What do you have? Did you see who bought uh, Ricky Bobby's house? Uh, are, are you talking about Ricky Bobby, like the the, the, yes. the house in the movie? Yes. Or, okay, yes. All right, no, it was I a mansion not. in, Ca- in uh, North Carolina, over 12,000 square feet, the house that was used in the movie by, well, Will Ferrell, who played Ricky Bobby, one of the, I got to say, should I say it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But <laughs> that being said. Talladega Nights? Yeah, I didn't like That's it That's unsurprising. All. Yeah, it was not my uh, favorite. So anyway, uh, Kevin Harvick, who just retired from racing, actually bought it before his retirement. So he... he I didn't even know it was I, – I was looking for the price. Couldn't find a price. Hmm. 12,000 square feet, uh, Ricky Bobby's house. Was that – I remember seeing the movie when we were on a bus trip, so it's hard sometimes to pay attention with all that's going on. But was that very visible during – it was mostly around the racetrack, right, rather than the house he lived in? Uh, no, they, I mean, there were some scenes in the house, of them sitting around and eating, like, the KFC and, and – and I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah, that's right, little Mountain Dew. Wow, um, Lee, I, you're gonna get, you're gonna get some hate for that take. That's crazy. Why? Because I didn't like the movie. 
That's a popular one. Okay, You're that's fine. I'm glad you liked there. it. No, that, that's fine. Everybody Some has their own taste. Somebody wants to know what your favorite movies are. Lee. I, can I give it some thought? Sure. From a comedy standpoint, Wedding Crashers is obviously Ooh, up there. We have so much in common, you and me. Yeah, that, but I, I'd have to give some thought. I saw a movie yesterday. Erroneous! I'll, I'll talk to you off the air about, which really hit home. Oh, all right. Well, the conversation off the air is going to be a lot more interesting on it. How about that? Lawrence Yelding is next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Hey, here we are. Hour number two, 705 here on a Wednesday. Thanks for hanging with us. We uh, had a great hour number one, and uh, hopefully that will continue throughout the course of our show today here, Mr. Shervani. It's going to. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'd Hot be, take. Mark, I'd be shocked if it is. <laughs> I think he's mocking you, Bronner. Oh, no way. You're going to take that? No way. It's, it's New Jersey. We'll it's let New him Jersey. have it. Michael, it's New Jersey humor. <laughs> right? Yeah, that old it's the way that we, old New Jersey humor. It's the New Jersey humor. All right, uh, headlines: College football playoff. Finally, Georgia number one. We knew that. We knew it was coming. And Ohio State moves to second. I was surprised a little. See Missouri's in there at number nine. Kudos to the Tigers. And then Louisville in there at number ten. Uh, two teams that uh, have been off the radar for a while. Uh, as basketball, Alabama ran away from South Alabama, 102-46. So that's three straight games, 100 points or more to start the season. First time since the 56-57 season. Michael, who was coaching Alabama then? In 1956? 57, yeah, that's when they ran off. I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. <laughs> the pre-bear bro. Uh, who? I don't know. We're talking now uh, basketball. All right. Oh, 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 jeez. Yeah. Oh, because that clarifies it. Yeah, that clarified it. Ken Dorsey fired as Bill's offensive coordinator. Uh, Joe Brady, you like him? Ah! <laughs> like, yeah! <laughs> you, you know. Everybody I, didn't know if he's, I didn't know if he's on your good list or your bad list. It's like an elf. The, the naughty list or the good list? He's on the, he's on the jury still out hey, list. Hey, everybody on three, let's do the brawner. Ready? <laughs> I love it, Michael. We're making T-shirts. All right, I want to get to our guest, Lawrence. How would you Sheldon's spell that? Probably getting tired of listening to this. The head coach of BC Rain. You know, I mentioned about Missouri kind of being a surprise. Lawrence, would I be wrong in saying that maybe BC Rain has surprised some people uh, flying under the radar to get where you are, winning your first playoff game and having a host game this week? I don't think you'll be uh, off bar, but I think for, for us and the guys over here, it's no surprise to us, but it may be a surprise to a few. They're back. The Red Raiders are back. This, this by the way, is, is kind of historic because, you know, of the four new stadiums that surfaced this year, this will be the That's first right. postseason game that will be played at one of the new stadiums. Congratulations, Coach. 
thank you so very much. You know, we're we're super excited about it, and you know, it's just you know, people don't really understand the, uh, what that did for our community and what that did for our football team. You know, it kind of gave those guys a sense of something to to play for, something to defend, and you know, don't think that that's not kind of at the focal point. You know, what they're talking about this week. You know, we got our first uh, home game in our uh, in our new stadium, and of course. You know, the, the mantra is now we're not going to lose. It's like we didn't lose the first home game there. We're not going to lose the first playoff game there. So, you know, the guys are really dialed in. Uh, you know, this weather hadn't really been cooperating with us this week. Uh, but we actually had a really good day uh, practice and preparation on both Monday and Tuesday. And we look to keep it going today. You know, how about the fact that all four local teams in 5A won their opening playoff games? Yes, sir. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's no secret that, you know, we play a really good brand of football down here uh, in the South, especially in Region uh, 1, uh, you know, Region 5 or Region 1 uh, in the Class 5A. So, you know, it wasn't that big of a surprise to me. You know, all the, all the teams in this area are good, uh, and it kind of prepares you for, you know, this, this stretch that you that you have to run through. You know, to, to to win a state championship in in high school football. So, you know, although week in week out the preparation and getting the guys uh, mentally prepared to play is sometimes a challenge. But you know, when you get to this part of the year, you know, it just makes it that much easier. I don't know the answer to this. Can you remember the last time BC Rain made it to the second round of postseason? I, I, I do not. Um, I hadn't really looked at it. Um, you know, like I told them, we're kind of right here in the in the here and the now, and what we're focusing on is, you know, what we're currently doing at this time. And you know, there BC Rain historically has been a program where you know they made deep runs into the playoffs. A lot of great football players, uh, great athletes, great people have come out of the school. Uh, so you know, our thing is we're trying to return it back to you know prominence. And you know, we're not really looking at patting ourselves on the back for doing something that you know, quite honestly, is expected. You know, every every football team, every program, um, when they start the season, you know the expectation is to play deep into uh, postseason. So we really don't focus on you know when the last time you know something happened to me. It's just the expectation, um, and however long ago it's been, it's been that long. But you know we're looking to start that new tradition right now, um, and you know we're off to a decent start. Speaking of starting new traditions, Coach, what's it like to have a 300-yard rusher in a single game? I'm only asking because I don't know. Well, I mean, I, that kid is a special kid. You know, I've been, uh, you know, standing on the rooftop trying to shout at everybody that yeah. was and that you know he to me is one of the uh, premier uh, players in our classification in, in in the South. Talking about Bryce Dowling yeah. and what he did on last. Uh, on last Friday evening was, you know, nothing short of spectacular. He, you know, kind of put the whole team on his back. I think he had 33 rushes, 30-some, 35 rushes for 311 yards, you know, four touchdowns. And I think, you know, if we'd have kept playing and kept giving it to him, you know, he'd have kept rolling. Uh, he just had one of those nights. You know, he was in that zone. And, you know, having a 300-yard rusher, you must understand that those guys up front was really moving some people, uh, yeah. which they were. Our guys up front did an outstanding job. But, you know, I think this is uh, the first time that he's rushed for 300 yards. I know it's the first time. You know, he had one similar uh, deal last year in, in a big game. 
Uh, but you know that was you know that was something to watch on Friday night. I'll say, just think about this: three hundred yards. Think about just walking three hundred yards without anybody hitting you or without pads on. Or let's say you right. run three hundred yards and not have anybody touch you or knock you around. And this guy did it, uh, getting bashed around. I'm sure getting tackled and so forth. Is he even practicing right. this week, or are you holding him out? He's he, he's practicing. He's uh he's he's one of those guys that you know he has to practice to get the feel. Uh, for the game and how things are going to set up and where to look for things as far as running. So, I mean, there's been times, you know, where I told him, I was like, man, I, you know, I know what you can do. Uh, you know, we're practicing my, my primarily so that we can make sure the offensive line, you know, where they're supposed to be, they're fitting, they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and he actually gets frustrated when, you know, I try to give him, you know, those reps off, you know, trying to save him for, you know, Friday night. So, you know, it's just one of those things now where I just like I was let him go I mean he wants every rep uh every day in practice um and you know and it shows again on Friday night you know it shows you know I mean, he you know he makes the right cuts he, he he sees things very well and he attributes that to his to his practice and you know we're going you know 40 40 minutes of which we do a lot of good on good just because of numbers so our first team d services our first team o and our first team o services our first team d so in both of those uh 40 minute periods you know he he's a premier back so you know tuesdays and wednesday you know he's getting every one of those snaps however many it is you know and we do spelling from time to time but you know he is as you know, he practices you know well uh, and as a result, he plays well. All right, before I let you go, uh, let's talk about the game coming up on Friday night. You're hosting Demopolis. How do you match up with them? What are your concerns about Demopolis? Or I should say maybe they have concerns about your team. Well, I mean, you know, you always have concerns about everybody that you play. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great matchup. It's going to be a great high school football game. Um, you know, I think we pride ourselves on being physical. Uh, they're a physical team as well. Uh, they don't run the ball at us. And, you know, our primary objective has to be uh, to stop the run. They're going to come in here. And they, you know, they're pretty talented up front. They have uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, and running back is really good. I mean, it's a good high school football team. And like I told our guys, you know, when you get to this level uh, of, of the playoff in the second round, you know, everybody here is going to be pretty good. So it's just a matter of us going out and focusing on, you know, the things that we need to take care of, you know, continue to block, you know, continue to run. And we definitely has, have to tackle. You know, their backs are a little bigger uh, this, this this year, uh, this, uh, this week. So, you know, it's a um, – a very formidable opponent, but again, you know, I don't like to compare, but you know, we play people in our region uh, that are very similar to them. Um, so I, mean, I think it's going to be a be a great matchup. Coach, really appreciate you spending some time with us, man. Uh, congrats on all the success and best of luck moving forward, man. Uh, a lot of po- folks are excited about it, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you again. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. It's uh, BC Ray right. Coach Lawrence Yelding, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard. Traffic, weather, and so much more. Uh, We'll come back. We'll give you a chance to chime in, too. College football playoff poll is out. Alabama's basketball team getting it done again. Taking it to South last night. Jameson Williams got himself a new, uh, I think they're going to make a mix special or something. 
over there at McDonald's. He's trending for what he does with his burgers and his desserts. We'll explain all that coming up. Lee's got favorite movies he's got to discuss. Somebody asked him what his favorite movies was. He he's, he does not like Talladega Nights. This is going to be the highlight of the show. We'll hit record when we Ho- come back. Hoosiers is up there. Sure it is. Wedding Crashers. I'm like trying to it. think what other movies that I've seen, because rarely do I watch a movie more than once, but there are a few. And we'll get to them all. It'll be a short but distinguished list. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Wonder if uh, Nick Jagger's ever had a dental implant. The guy's been. <laughs> is that what you wonder? I mean, do you sit yeah, here and say, I just, oh, I you just know thought what? about that. That's what you ponder, huh? Yeah, yeah that's that's foremost in my mind. Man, now. what a trip it would be What's to go through the brain now? and mind of Lee Shervanian. Think about that. All the travel and all the all the songs they've done, and this guy's still going strong. Yeah, it's an incredible. Do, does he has he had dental implants? dental implants? Well, if he does, I know where he should go. <laughs> Dr. Christopher Mullenix, 715 Downtowner Boulevard. I've been there, and I'd certainly recommend it to uh, Nick Jagger if he ever gave me a call. Uh, Dr. Mullenix at Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. You have a response there, Michael? I heard that laugh. That no, was that, Mark. That was, that was, oh, was it you, Mark? No, if it were Bronner, it would be like, Okay. <laughs> well, Michael does get it not only shocked, but he does get, uh, let's say, a little higher than you do. He's got that Tommy Prater. He syndrome. does. Is that who you try to emulate? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> welcome in. It's the fastest sixty minutes in all of radio. I'm what looking at the clock, man. It don't. It don't. <laughs> in, in fact, well, you can hear that tonight at six o'clock. By the way. Well, sorry. His show's still going on. I thought the uh, racing ended. It ends in some time. That I, I don't know. I'm not on the night shift anymore. All right, no, but I'm saying the it. racing has ended. Uh, yeah, it, it ends It ends sometime after the Snowball Derby in Pensacola. Okay. Anyway, I uh, highly recommend anybody who needs any kind of oral surgery to go see Dr. Christopher Mullenix. Nick Jagger or otherwise. Yeah, and, if, if, and again, he's probably got his own uh, oral surgeon somewhere. But I am very <laughs> pleased with Dr. Mullenix, very professional and uh, very, uh, let's say, very a pleasure to be there in a sense if there is such a thing going to a, a dental place because they take real good care of you the staff is right there you know i'll say this and i know we're getting a little long here but a lot yeah. of times you go and you have to sit around for 15 20 minutes filling out paperwork that's not the case there and when i'm out of there the next morning what happens uh no pain and very little discomfort you got it mm. let me have you start doing these okay all right so i uh, by the way Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, our title sponsor. By the way, speaking of, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Where we're going to be on Friday? Uh, Mobile Leopard's, Christian. Leopard, we're going to the Leopard's Den. The Leopard's Den. Doesn't that sound neat? The Leopard's By the way, Den? that was complete and total chaos with the uh, Warriors last night and the Wolves. That was just, that was anarchy, man. I mean, they're like a minute and a half into the game and all hell's breaking loose at half court after like a, it, like it was nothing. So. Didn't Green have a, a like a go bear in a headlock or something like that? Yeah, I think he was uh, he was trying, I think, to protect his guy, but to say he overreacted would be an understatement, right? I mean, you're the head coach of the Warriors. You don't have Curry because he's hurt. 
game starts in less than two minutes, you're without Thompson and Green. Yeah. And you lose the game. And this is one of those, what, playing games for their tournament? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say something about that. Go right ahead. <laughs> the, Go ahead, Michael. The NBA play-in tournament. Yes. Uh, well, I w- were you watching? Did you see, like, the courts? Like, the whole thing. The entire NBA. Uh, the league is, has been a joke. The league, <laughs> the league is a complete and utter joke. But Adam Silver just continues to make it a joke. I mean... What are, what are we doing? The in-season tournament, the fans don't know what's going on. The players don't know what's going on. The in-season tournament, there's all these different court designs. It is the most foolish, clownish-looking thing. The, the NBA no, no, is no, such no, no, a complete no, 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 and utter no, no, no. joke. <laughs> are, uh, you, are you ever on Nick's uh, NBA podcast, by the I way? I have never been on Nick's NBA why. podcast. I wonder why. What is it, the, the double dribble, something like that? No, it's the double team. Michael, I... I'm not exactly I, – I wanted to wait to see how it goes with this in-season tournament. It's a first time. Anytime you do anything for the first time, there's going to be confusion. I don't even know which games are included. I don't know. that. I, I think like well, yesterday – they've done it a couple years now. No, they haven't. I think this is the this first This is the first one. time. I thought they uh, – They've been talking about it. They've been talking about this first years. year they've done it. Clearly, I'm, I've got my finger on the pulse. <laughs> no, yeah. one, no, no, no one knows what is going on. Well, that's the problem. You don't know which – games are included in this to get to that point where you go to Vegas, bring in the Final Four, and this is before you get to Christmas. And what the NBA wanted to do was try to spark interest because they realize that until you get to Christmas, the, the, you know, the, the pulse is on football. So they're trying to bring attention to the league. But And I agree with you on this, Michael. I don't even know which games are included in this, nor am I watching any standings on it. Well, isn't this also – I know this is your your buzz term for last year was – weren't they trying to offset the whole load management thing yes. too? Like they were trying to get guys to actually play for something? Yes. Meanwhile, uh, and I don't know if it's working though. Yeah, Brandon Miller. Half, <laughs> half the Golden State yes. team is suspended <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean half the. I, I know the Hornets team didn't play last night only because I'll pay attention to them because Brandon Miller was on it. But I, I don't know. The league is. Well, the, the problem jo- is you don't. It's not like you. And what Silver was doing, he tried to emulate what goes on in soccer in Europe. They have these. In, yes. Well, we don't know what's going on there. <laughs> well, this Who is knows? America. We don't care about right. soccer in Europe. You know, here's the deal. Why don't you start the NBA season at Christmas? I was going to say the start exact same thing. I have the solution, Adam Silver. You want people to care about the beginning of the NBA season? Don't start it till Christmas. But here's another thing, too. Christmas, they're getting overshadowed by the NFL. The NFL, I think, has got, what, three games on Christmas yeah. Day? I love it. I love it. Just just keep the NBA in their little box over there. In the uh, in the app, non-pasteurized milk and throwback NBA, two things in Bronner's manifesto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> College basketball clears by a million miles, man. Jeff Bowers next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Nice of you. We, sounds like we're just gonna play it all day. 
Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Trevanian, Michael Bronner in the studios of WNSP. I uh, want to tell you guys, we've got uh, a lot going on around town, including the Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. It's the 11th annual, man. I've already talked to Dr. Mike Rim. Half the tickets have already been sold. There are only 300 sold uh, total. Half of them are already gone. Gone, just already sold. $10,000 drawdown set for December 6th, so we're getting close. It's over at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. Uh, our own Matt McCoy DJing the event, so you know it's going to be outstanding. They got some great silent auction uh, items. We've talked about them a lot, but here's the other thing that's really cool about this event. Uh, US, uh, the USA Paralympic coach, who's also the Auburn wheelchair basketball coach, I might add, Rob Taylor, he's going to be in attendance. How cool is that? It's a great opportunity for parents who have children with a disability to get information to help their children get involved in wheelchair sports. So if you need tickets, if you have an item you'd like to donate to the silent auction, or if you just have questions about this, give Dr. Mike Rim a call, 232-4753. That's 232-4753. It's the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. Guys, there's a $10,000 drawdown. It's at St. Dominic's Murphy Center on December 6th from 6 to 9, catered by Bay Gourmet. It's going to be a great event. It always is, and it's for a great cause. The Booster Club has raised over $150,000 for Auburn Wheelchair Sports. So uh, make sure you get your tickets and get them fast. Good read. That's why you're the top gun here. Oh, I see what you did there. All right. Uh, Thank you, let's Goose. Get, let's, get, <laughs> let's get back into the uh, deep in the heart of Texas. My good friend, Jeff Bauer, with the Sports Narrative. We're going to hit on Texas. We're going to talk Texas A&M. Jeff, welcome to the show. I hope you got your uh, guns ready to blaze here. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yeah, we are uh, We're doing well. It's a beautiful day here in Texas. we got some nice weather out, and, uh, man, it's always football season around here. Yeah, let's start with Texas A&M. Now, I don't remember this. Maybe our staff does. You said you predicted Fisher would be gone before the year ended? Yep, we Yep, we talked about it uh, when I was on uh, right ahead of the A&M-Bama game. I said that that might be one that absolutely decides the fate uh, of Jimbo and that there was already the rumblings that they were passing around the cup trying to uh, raise that $76 million number. And sure enough, they hit it a couple weeks later, and and he's gone. And, and you know, it's, it's the thing that we talked about at the time was the fact that, you know, in college football anymore – the CEO model, the guy who sits back and recruits and, and is just that guy, it's kind of going away. What you're starting to see is the coaches that are real, the X's and O's guys, the real detail guys. And and I think if A&M's smart, that's the way they'll go with their next coach. So why not wait till the end of the year? Why did it happen, especially after a game in which they went out and, and won big over Mississippi State? You know, the timing is strange. I think uh, I think it was literally just a matter of getting uh, to that number. And when they got there, I think I probably I would bet Jimbo wanted out earlier. You know, if they were telling him, hey, man, this is going to be your last year, then he probably said, well, look, just pay me now. Um, which, I mean, it's kind of six, one, half a dozen the other. You're going to have to pay him out either way. It's a guaranteed contract. So, uh, but what I would say is, the reason you would do it now has a lot to do with that transfer portal. You know, you've got these young kids coming in. You've got your recruiting class coming in. You want to have a guy in place ready to go. And I have a feeling that A&M probably already knows who their next guy is. Uh, we just won't know that yet. Who do you think the front runner is? So going by the model, 
if it were me, which it isn't, what I would do is I would, like I said, go get a guy with A&M ties who has proven that he can win and is a great X's and O's guys. And for me, that starts with Mike Elko out of Duke. Uh, that seems like a perfect fit. He has done a phenomenal job there, uh, what he's done with that Duke program, starting to actually produce talent now. You put that kind of guy with those X's and O's with the amount of money that A&M has, man, I think that is a winning combination. That would be my first choice. Who, but who they want be? the name. Do they want the splash? Always a possibility. Who's the splash? I mean, <laughs> I would say it starts with Urban Meyer. Now, his little propaganda piece that he put out on Netflix trying to uh, cleanse his resume there at Florida didn't work on me, but I know it worked on a lot of people. So I I think Urban would probably be in line for that. Um, You know, I think those, you know, Dan Lanning out of Oregon is a possibility. Some of those big-name guys, the the Washington guy as well, I think are all bigger-name guys. Now, the thing with Oregon and Washington, if you had done this – you know, say before the you know last season when they didn't know where their fate lied, you know they didn't know they were going to the Big Ten. Uh, then yeah, I think that would have made a lot of sense. Now maybe they don't want to do the travel. Maybe they don't want to do the recruiting that way. Maybe they want a, a smaller recruiting window where you just have to basically recruit Texas and you're fine. All possibilities there. But I think that uh, guys like that. I mean, hell, I've even heard Dabo spoke about, and I'm like, come on. Really? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. I think the A&M job is an incredible job, right? You have such an amazing amount, just pure amount of money from the boosters who really want to get it done. I mean, obviously, they just paid $76 million to tell somebody to go away. But it's always been that second fiddle place, and now Texas and OU coming back into the SEC, and, and you're not the only game in town in, in the state of Texas, and, and all of these things, like, I don't think it's as great a job as Aggies think it is, but I think it's a lot better job than maybe the general college football fan thinks it is. All right. We had this discussion this morning about Texas and Alabama. If Alabama runs the table and beats Georgia, do they get into the Final Four ahead of Texas, a once-beaten Texas team, even though they lost to Texas? I mean, it's Alabama, so yes. A hundred percent yes. I mean, is it right? No. But – if you beat Georgia, you're in. It's, I mean, and because it's it's just about the names. And, you know, maybe this is the last year of that as we start to go to 12 teams and all that, and there'll be a lot less fighting about it. But 100%. Uh, I, I think you have, you know, and, and especially in the situation if – now, if Texas goes out there, wins the Big 12, avenges their loss theoretically to OU, although who knows if that's even going to be with the team they're playing at that point um, – Sure, but I think, you know, that the name cachet of Alabama, if they're anywhere close and they put on this run, I I think there's, you know, especially if they beat Georgia, yeah, I think there's a really good chance that they get it. Let me ask you about the quarterback situation. There was this uh, statement that came out from uh, Archie Manning that he was asked about his grandson. Is he happy? And he said, yeah, he's happy out there. He's being redshirted. When Quinn Ewers went down, why Arch didn't even get it, get in there at all? I mean, he wouldn't have lost his red shirt. I think you have to play, what, four games to lose your red shirt? Why have they not used right. him at all? Um, I think it's a situation that I, I think usually what happens with these big-time recruits is they kind of come in with a plan. 
And, you know, this was famously, we went uh, through this at Texas with the Chris Sims and Major Applewhite situation where, you know, Major was obviously the better quarterback, but Chris Sims was the name and he was the recruit and he had to get the job. And so he did. Right. And so it's a situation like that. I think what Arch Manning said was, look, I want to redshirt. I want to sit a year. I want to let twin years do his thing. I want to get my feet settled in the ground and then I can play two years and I'm out. Right. Um, so I think he doesn't want the red shirt pulled. And, and, and that, that statement that you said from Archie saying he's happy, he's red shirted. That means that was the deal going in. So I think for them to pull it would have been, uh, would have been drastic. Now, the plot thickens as Quinn Ewer says, I'm coming back to school. So now this is the thing. It's the best thing for Quinn Ewers to do right now. Quinn Ewers is probably a second or third round pick in the NFL draft. Um, he's, he struggled, still struggles with the deep ball. The only game he ever threw the deep ball. Well, is against you guys like down there in Alabama. Sorry about that. Uh, we talked about that as well, but you know, he still struggled with those. He, you know, obviously he's had these injuries crop up the last couple of years. Uh, I've seen him somewhere in the 40 range uh, among prospects, and it's best for him to go back. It's best for him to try to prove himself one more time. Now, is that going to happen in Texas? I doubt it because there's no way Texas is not going to play Arch Manning over Quinn Ewers, and there's no way Quinn Ewers is going to sit on the bench. So, this, the way the transfer portal is, I think if Quinn Ewers is saying, I'm coming back to Texas, what that means is the window is open. Who wants me? And I tell you what, a best, a, an amazing place for him to go would be Texas A&M. Now, they still have the Wigman kid and all of that, but, uh, you know, obviously you get a chance to steal from your rival, you do it. And also the other place I think would be great is LSU, as Jaden Daniels definitely jumps into the league next year as that guy has been absolutely phenomenal here recently he jumps into the draft i think lsu would be another great place for quinn ewers to land all right before we let you go again getting back to a&m you put elko as the let's say right now the front runner push uh, comes to shove who do you think they finally hire um so if if i was a betting man like I said, Elko would be my choice if I'm running it. I think the boosters want the big name, you know, your Urban Meyer type, maybe even Dan Lanning out of Oregon, but I'm not sure why Dan Lanning would want to go there. At the end of the day, if Elko doesn't want the job or the boosters don't want him or whatever the case may be, I could see somebody like Jeff Trailer out of UTSA, you know, who is who has absolutely built up a program who would leap at the chance, and you could get him cheaper. Right. So, like, if the money's an issue because you just paid seventy six million dollars, you know, you just paid the leash of salary, then I could see him. I could see Chris Kleinman out of K-State. I could see Lance Leopold out of Kansas. I could see them go with one of those guys who would jump at the chance. Now, is that best for the program? I don't know. Uh, I do like what those guys have done with those programs, especially Kleinman who, you know, coming from North Dakota State, now what he's doing with a Kansas State team that barely has any talent, and it's maybe the one team that can beat uh, Texas outside of OU in the, in the Big 12, uh, the way they played and the way they took them to the wire. Um, I think that would be a great hire for them. Now, again, it's going to come down to money. 
I have a feeling if they're buying out him now, they already have the guy in place. I would put my money, all my money on Elko, but I mean, you can never tell. They they absolutely could just be jumping at some name, and Urban Meyer obviously would be probably at the top of the let's just go get a name guy. Hey, Jeff, great catching up with you. Never short any storylines, man. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll keep an eye on things. We'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good, guys. Y'all uh, have a great day. Yep, that's uh, Jeff Bauer. Now, what's interesting about that, not that what they say means a hill of beans, but Urban Meyer has already come out. Dan Lanning's already come out. Uh, he mentioned Dabo. All these guys have been asked about it. Lane Kiffin won't even give an answer because everything that happened with Auburn. But Lanning was just absolutely adamant. Meyer was absolutely adamant. No. What did Meyer say? I, I Ma- Meyer said that. he is uh, he is he is done. He has no interest in coaching. Getting back into coaching. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't seen that. I did. And don't you get tired though? Every time there's an opening, a big time opening, the the same group. Uh, well, not the same group because obviously Washington and Oregon coaches are kind of new to the uh, the block, but. They all, they all are asked, you know, and they're all going to say no, obviously, but things can change. And, I, you know, obviously Elko to me would be a good fit because when he was defensive coordinator, they had a lot of success. He left, they have, I think they're only 500 since he left, but he's not the big splash that maybe some of the A&M people want. Yeah, so Meyer, the quote, no desire. I love what I'm doing. That ship has sailed. I'm very grateful for, I think, 37 years in the game and loved it. No desire. Yeah, and Urban Meyer, is he's always been truthful and honest and, you sure. know, everything yeah. he says is, is, you know. Genuine. He's just, you know, talk about a guy who you can take his word at face Mr. value. Mr. Trust. Just an honest trustworthy good all-around and then guy. they ask De- like Deion Sanders name comes up that there's I'm not gonna say <laughs> no to anything but why would he first of all if you hire Dion you have to hand him the keys to the kingdom all right I don't know if A&M is it or any you know how, how many programs would do that but the other thing is too what about his kids now that are at Colorado his the quarterback Shador he brought Hunter uh, his daughters there and if they transfer, they'd have to sit out a year unless they got special uh, recognition from so, the NCAA. So why? I mean, you know, I know it's it'd be a blowout story, but when you think about all the sli- you know, the surface and all the the stuff underneath it, that doesn't make sense for him to leave Colorado. With first of all, his kids are there. I'm sure he's being taken care of financially. Plus, he has total control of the program. Oh, let me hear. I, Dion would go to Colorado. I mean, I would go to Texas A&M. Texas A&M don't want. I I agree with Mark. Uh, he he would. He he's all about him and wanting to win. He's proven that. Uh, so if if he's willing to trade a whole roster full of players and bring in his own players, why wouldn't he just? You think he turned on his kids like that? Yes. I don't think he'd be offered the job, and rightfully so. He hasn't proven anything. But, uh, yeah, I kind of like the Dabo thing. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? He, I mean, he that whole rant was about, oh, the expectation is starting to outweigh the appreciation at Clemson. And, again, you know, you want to you wanna go somewhere into a different conference. Uh, it's not going to change much at A&M. It's kind of probably going to be worse in terms of expectation versus appreciation going to the SEC, not to mention a guy who's been – pretty resistant to nil and a&m is uh has a propensity for using said nil so I, I don't know how great of a fit he is but in terms of being a 
wacky goofball for that wacky goofball culture. Sure, why not? All right, you guys can jump in when we come back. Uh, Chris Stewart's going to join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, Matt Wyatt on Mississippi State at 8.30. We also have uh, a little fried deliciousness. See, even I got – I'm getting it wrong. Now. Fried deliciousness for you uh, in hour number three as well. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff, man. We're, we're wrapping up hour number two next right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. wrapping up hour number two. A little kindness. Try. Me? Him. Him? Him. Me? You. What did I do? Well, let's see. You, you've So far, it's we're still into the uh, second hour. You've totally ripped the NBA. Yeah, deservedly so. Uh, Buffalo. Uh, Joe Brady. I didn't rip them. I said, eh, it's yeah, okay. No. And <laughs> Not praising and ripping are two different things. Has he said anything kindness? To, have you shown any kindness today, Michael? Uh, I don't know. I thought by you moving to the South, maybe things would change. Because I know in New Jersey, I don't think were, you, were you this grumpy uh, at that age? Yes. Were you this nasty? Yeah, were probably. You? Probably. I don't think I, you, I don't remember, but I'm sure I was. You know, in in up east. I, I mean, mean, you weren't very you weren't very nice today about um, Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a preference. That. All right. When we were in the bus, <laughs> here's the deal. You want to hear this one, Michael? For the record, Lee doesn't like Talladega Nights. So. We're watching the movie on a bus trip. The head coach of the Jags turns to me and says, who makes garbage? I don't know if you use the word garbage, but who makes movies like this? Because it was so silly. And and I, I looked at him like, you know, n- neither of us enjoyed the movie at all. Um, but again, it, it appealed to the younger generation. I have no problem. Look, I don't care that I, I'm not just because it didn't appeal to me. I'm not. Obviously, it appealed to somebody. Mark liked it. I liked it. Yeah, and that it fits Mark's personality. <laughs> I, is that? A, I think that's, that's a, a, is that's that, such I, I a dig. That doesn't feel like a compliment I mean, to me. No, well, it, it, it's no, it's not a not compliment. I'm just saying you're <laughs> you're more into that. Maybe when I was your age, maybe I would have liked it. Uh, you know, when you're, you know, you get. I like, like for instance, you like a lot of action movies. I yeah. did too at that age, but right now I don't. I like so different types of movies. So you're saying when I get movies. older, I won't like action movies? I'm not saying you. I'm talking about me. Uh, it's not about you all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's about me. This whole segment's about you. I hope. So you obviously have different preferences. but So when I'm your age, I'm going to watch Expendables 76. If I you, will be there. In Fast and Furious 122, I'm there. I only wish I'd be around to see that, but I doubt it. So Vin Diesel walking out with his yeah, right. But I mean, when I, I live my life a quarter mile, when you said who are my favorite movies, you know, back when westerns, uh, you know, that was the big thing. You know, back when I was in my teens in and my twenties, huh? when you were Coach Prime, when you're pr- in your prime, in my prime, yeah, uh, the, my first favorite you were movie single was and ready to mingle. Magnificent Seven. You mentioned Wedding Crashers from a comedy standpoint, but there have been a lot of movies, but very few would I watch again. But I've changed my. I like more, let's say, plots, more, let's say, uh, storylines. 
than just silliness. That's all. That's but, all but I'm you saying. But you always say that those those movies can't hold your interest either. A lot of movies can't. I'll tell you what. I, I'll watch. I'll put a movie on. Let's say let's Netflix, and in ten minutes, if I don't like it, I'm I'm off. Now, I watched a movie called The National Champions yesterday. Okay. I don't know how I – I didn't even know it existed. And basically, you know, the storyline was this Heisman-winning quarterback the day before the National Championship game decided that he was going to boycott, and he listed these demands to the NCAA. Well, that's like <laughs> what's going on these days, right? I want this. I want that. And it's it kind of hits home. Is that the one with uh, J.K. Simmons? Yes. Did you see it? I never saw it. I that w- I remember when it came out. I, rem- I I remember I considered watching it on a plane and I watch something else. Did see the uh, trailer for this? Yes. All right. Very good. I like J.K. Simmons a lot. There's, he there's was a really good. He's one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah. It was nice to see him acting and not doing a insurance commercial. <laughs> they they act in this. You ever see the he movie? Was, no, he uh, was good. You ever see Whiplash, Lee? No, but I've heard great things about it. Oh, you got to watch Whiplash. Is that an action pack? Let's beat them all up? Not really, no. No. See, I like storylines. I like like good acting. It has to have a good plot. Yes. Lee, watch Whiplash. You'll like it. All right, what is that on? That's uh, I'll I'll figure it out for is you. Is it Netflix? Is it Prime? Is it Hulu? What is it? Whatever it's on, it is, it's on got something. It, buddy. I'll I'll figure it out. I have for all you. these. You I, can rent it on. You can stream it on Netflix. Rent it on Prime. All right, because now I got something called Pluto, and that I, I don't Pluto, think it's on Pluto. I, I thought Pluto was a Disney character, <laughs> and and a fake planet. I, right, exactly. A fake planet? It doesn't exist. It's a star. Well, I don't think it it exists. Which one's a planet, but is really a star? Deshaun Watson's out for the season, by the way, so that's going well. How did that fit in with Pluto? It's just breaking news. We don't let breaking news get in the way of really good conversation <laughs> here on WNFB. Does he need some uh, back rubs or something? Oh, hey boy. Now. <laughs> now it's a party. Uh, okay, so we go from— All right, so what's your favorite movie, Mark? Uh, comedy, it is uh, Wedding Crashers 1, Tropic Thunder 2. I started to watch Tropic Thunder. I couldn't get through it. I don't know why. I just couldn't. How about you, I Michael? I don't read script. Script read me. Mm. How about you, Michael? I really like Goodfellas. Whiplash is up there, man. I'm telling you, you gotta watch it. I'll try. J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller. I will try. I- I'll go. I'll take your advice. Watch the National Champions and tell me if that doesn't hit home as to I'll what's going on today. It-, it was just so like exactly like which what's going on today. Athletes really had the upper hand. And, and Simmons tried to get his quarterback, and I, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to give away the plot. <laughs> don't give away the ending. I but wonder if he the, plays. But there were very good storylines in it, All right. and the acting was pretty good. I told you, J.K. is one of my favorite. He, yeah. he was really good in this, one of the better ones I've ever seen him in. Shawshank. Coming up, Chris Stewart. Maybe we'll ask Chris Stewart if, he, if he's ever had the Jameson Williams at McDonald's where you put the, where you put the McFlurry on the cheese. I'm going to guess no. All right. I'm oh, you're talking about put maybe to uh, separate on the same menu, but not mixing them. We'll see if he's open to the idea. Oh, and we'll talk basketball and football too. Um, and then uh, Matt Wyatt will uh, talk some Mississippi State force as well. All right. Hour number two is in the books. Here comes hour number three. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. <laughs>
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, here we are. An animated edition of the opening kickoff. Thanks for hanging with us. Um, Mark, Lee, Bronner, all here at, at WNSP. You know, Michael, uh, you were on my case about was I like you when I was your age. I got, let's see, I got thrown out of a locker room by a football coach. I got chastised by the basketball coach and called into the office of our general manager. So I, I think I probably had my moments. Where did all this come from? I don't know. My youth. <laughs> Speaking of somebody youthful, uh, Chris Stewart, and we were talking about, I've been on these short-ended games where teams were blown out, uh, and my very first game for South Alabama, they must have won by about 60 or 70 points. They were playing like an NAIA school, but I listened to some of Chris's broadcast, and he keeps he keeps everybody's attention. Wanted to get to 100. He's the voice of the Crimson Tide. Chris, good morning. How are you today? Buddy, I'm good. I've, uh, first of all, maybe the nicest thing you've ever said about me, calling me youthful now yes. that I'm 53. That means more than no, it you, ever has. You Thank keep you. your age very, um, very well. Well, uh, I mean, I'm it's just all, glad to, it's I'm all, just glad to be alive. Thank it's, you. It's, it's really all relative. I mean, you got to consider who's saying it now. There's I mean, no <laughs> doubt. There's That's no true. Doubt. I, I mean, the, the dirt I walk <laughs> over on the way over is young. There is zero doubt. Thank you for keeping it in context there, Mark. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Well, uh, well Mr. Heim. What, you, you know the – go ahead. No, Mr. Heim wanted to know what's more prolific today, the Alabama basketball offense or the football offense? Both are uh, highly efficient these days. Yeah. And they're both enjoyable to watch, I'll tell you that. It, um to your your point about you know broadcasting games like that though Lee the, the beauty of radio is that you say what you see so even though the game's out of hand you still have to describe what's going on for the listener and you may not have it with the same energy enthusiasm when the game's not in question anymore but when there's something tangible especially in front of the home crowd and i think it was tangible they wanted to see those guys that were in the game especially a guy like max karnowski to walk on and, and kai spears another walk on they wanted to see them have some success but also get to 100 in that point and they in to his credit nate oates is still coaching he wanted to see he was he was coaching with the same energy that he was in the first five minutes of the ball game because he wanted to see those guys execute. It wasn't about showing up the opponent. It wasn't about scoring 100. It was about executing for those guys on the floor and taking advantage of their moment. And those are very rare for them. So to see them execute properly, that's what he wanted to see. And, you know, it did get them over the century mark for the third straight game. But to see guys like that do what's asked of them and to do it at a at a good level, that was that was fun. And I think that's where all the energy came from in those final minutes of the game. 
is can you get a read on how good Alabama really is? Obviously, they're going to be playing better competition uh, a few games down the road, but three consecutive games, and that hasn't been done. You weren't even born when they did that. Because you're so young. Right. No. Exactly. That's right. 50, 57 was before my time by, by quite a bit. Um, I was around. That's the last time. Yeah, that that was the, the last time that Bama uh, scored over 100 in their first three ball games. And, look, they're going to be – I think they have been tested at the level they needed to be in these first three contests. Uh, I know South isn't having its best season. It's early. Richie will, will have them playing much better, and there were moments where they just got caught up in a – no pun intended, but kind of a wave last night from Alabama and what they're doing right now on the offensive end. But also when they just decided to come out really determined to play on the defensive end at a higher level than they have all year long. But Moorhead State and Deanna State are pretty good basketball teams. South is a is a pretty good basketball team. Mercer will be respectable. But then you're going to flip and go Ohio State, probably Oregon, and then a really, really good Clemson team to end the month of November. So, yeah, you're going to know who you are before you ever get to December on the calendar. Um, you could very easily be four and three and still be pretty good. This team could also be seven and oh, with still a lot of work to do because after you get through those three that I just mentioned, Purdue, Creighton, Arizona are all on the schedule in December. So there's a there's an awful lot to take place and an awful lot to learn about who you are before you ever get to the start of conference play on January 6th in Nashville. Chris, and your post game with Nate Oates, was he more excited about getting to 100? But I have to believe he had to be maybe even more thrilled that the team kept another team under 50 because he's been preaching defense. Yeah. There's no doubt, Lee, it was definitely the defensive end. He was really pleased with how engaged and locked in they were. And, and we also talked about how, you know, even though the game was no longer in question, you've got your front-line guys diving on the floor for loose balls. They were playing every possession truly as if it had a life of its own. They were, they were taking truly the no-scoreboard mentality in playing every every possession as if it were a drill in practice and you're trying to win every one. And I'll tell you, that's part of why NATO's teams are as competitive as they are. It's because there is competition truly in every drill that they do. Um, there are consequences for every single drill that takes place. If you if your team wins the drill, your side, you know, you're going one side against the other. If your side wins the drill, you then have to make a free throw in order to validate that win, or you've got to run a down and back, uh, just like the other side does, or you've got to do a push up or something. There is some consequence for failing to win in every drill, every day, in every practice. It's, a, it's amazing how competitive in that nature, uh, that, that whole um, mentality and attitude is not just something that you see on a game. You see it every day in practice 
with every single drill that takes place. All right, let's switch to football now. Um, we've had this discussion. If Alabama runs the table, beats Auburn, beats Georgia, do they get into the Final Four no matter what Texas does, in your opinion? Man, that's tough. Um, if it happens, do I believe that Alabama's better? Would I believe that Alabama's better than Texas? Uh you know where my heart is. You know where my allegiance is. Do I believe that they would vote them ahead of Texas with Texas having the same record and having won in Tuscaloosa? Um, I, I would have very serious concerns that that would take place. Um, I think there, this is a season where, to this point, and again now, we've, we've seen it so many times, a ton can happen. Alabama has not moved in three weeks, right? We're talking about the, the regular polls or since the CFP has, yeah. this is what, week two of the CFP? There's been no movement so far. But so much can happen. In the next two weeks, we know they won't get any credit no matter what happens against Chattanooga. Um, but some other things could happen in front of them. Certainly, the Iron Bowl can change it. The SEC championship game dramatically could impact it. Um, I would look, I would have a hard time in this day and age of college football seeing a one-loss SEC champion who would have probably beaten an undefeated Georgia team get in. To me, that's going to be the really interesting question now, guys. Think, think about this one. What if it's – what if your three options – or, or you've got two you've got to put in and one stays out. Yeah. It's Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Georgia's sitting there with one loss, but it came to Alabama in the, in the SEC championship game. Uh, Bama's sitting there with one loss, came to Texas at home early in the year. Texas with one loss, having lost a great ball game to an undefeated Texas, or excuse me, Oklahoma, at the time they would have lost to them. It is. It would be very interesting, and as crazy as it sounds, I can absolutely see where they would leave Georgia out, and Georgia is sitting there in the spot that Alabama was, or, or feeling like they were in the position that Alabama was the year that the Tide had won back-to-back -back national titles, then went undefeated a third year, and and didn't win a national championship because Notre Dame and Michigan State had played in the uh, the the tie game that took place. What was that? Sixty-six. Was that the missing ring year? I'd have, uh, I'd have to it's referred to. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to talk be, to the guy uh, that was alive then. Sixty-seven, maybe. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it and would then be that, very interesting. Yeah, and then of course that, and you're absolutely right, and that doesn't take into account the Big Ten factor there, the Pac-12 factor there, plus Florida State sitting there playing nobody all year. It's it's exactly the type of chaos that we always talk about. Now, like a guy like me always wants to see, but it's going to be the first time where legitimately Alabama could be on the outside looking in, or any SEC school for that matter. And I and you know we always sure. talk about this. You know, look, Alabama fans are going to be talking about, man, that Texas game was early in the season. It's all about getting the four best teams in that are playing the four best right now. And all anti-SEC and Alabama fans are going to scream about how, you know, head-to-head matters. It should matter more than anything else. It's it's just same stuff, different year. Uh, but it's fascinating about how many different teams are still in it at this point in the season. That's the part that's unique, and that's what I think people are gra- – or why people are gravitating towards this conversation. It is, but also, Mark, this goes back to what I think a lot of people have said, that if you if you expand it, you're not going to have as many, obviously, as you have in the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. But you're, you're going to have the same thing that you always have with a basketball tournament. You're going to have arguments over who are the last teams in and the last teams out. It doesn't matter if you just have two. It doesn't matter if you have four. It doesn't matter if you have 12, 16, or 24. You're, you're going to have arguments over who are those last teams that deserve to be in whatever your number is. It's part of the draw. It's part of what television creates because they need the eyeballs on these specialty shows which lead up to the championship game itself. It's what you guys need in talk radio on a daily basis. I've done the same thing. It's what all of us who are involved in this will discuss and cuss and fuss and and talk about until we get down to a championship game, whatever the format is, and we get the two final teams. Um it's part of what's great, but it's also part of why, you know, there, there comes a point where you've got who your best teams are and you're just adding additional people at some point and, and making more money and spreading more money and, and creating more cost and, and everything else that takes place in this. I'm, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying there is no perfect way. There is, there's always going to be somebody left out. Yep. No matter where you go, no matter what you do. Hey, Chris, great catching up, sir, man. We look forward to doing it again next week. Always a pleasure. Have a great uh, weekend. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Yep. Do, do you want to thank Dex Imaging for providing us uh, expertise from the youthful Chris Stewart? Uh, when we come back, uh, traffic and weather. We're going to try to catch up with Roy Hudson here. Uh, we've got some fried deliciousness coming your way. Matt Wyatt's going to talk a little Mississippi State. Man, we, we just we just rolling along. You know why? Because that's what we do. Keep them coming in the app, as always. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Uh, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Stay close. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. 
Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here you go. The moment you've been waiting for. Hit him, Lee. I'm going to hit it. Uh, George has got a lot of winning streaks going. Uh, I think they've won like 28 straight as uh, regular season games. They've uh, won... 25 straight at home, and that's where we're going to go with on this question. 25 straight at home. Call up Michael Bronner and tell him what college football program holds the all-time record for most wins at home in a row. The, the consecutive streak for winning at home. Name the school that holds the record. If you know the answer, 694-1055. I know the answer for Community Bank. His name is... Roy Hudson. Roy, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing well this morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing wonderful. Speaking about records, uh, what's going on as far as interest rates? Is this a good time now to invest with Community Bank? I tell you what, deposit rates, Lee, are probably the best they've been in a dozen years. We are seeing all kinds of activities. So I invite your listeners in to talk rate with us. It's finally a, a great time to do that. For so long, it was uh, uh, the rates were depressed, but right now rates are just fantastic, and uh, no telling what's going to happen in the future with rates. So it's a good time to come in and take advantage of them now. So, as far as that phrase we talk about, a bank unlike any other, not to confuse it with the masters. Why? Why go with a phrase like that? Well, uh, Lee, I think it's the uh, the service. You know, we 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 look at everything with a servant's attitude, whether it's taking care of our customers. Being out in the community, we're always out in the community helping. And this time of year, you might see us out there at, at different things. But it's just how we approach the uh, delivering our products and services that, that we think separates us apart from the other uh, institutions out there. So I think that is the origin of that phrase. If uh, we need a number or to get in touch with you or some yeah, of the other. Yeah, you know, we have five locations now, and uh, the number is 338-7707. We're gonna have to wait. We welcome a while. everybody in. Yeah, we're gonna have to wait a while to come down to Gold uh, to Gulf Shores and broadcast right now. <laughs> we gotta get our vehicle back in shape uh, to come see you. Okay. That sounds great. Thanks, Roy. Roy Hudson, Community Thank Bank. You. All right, so uh, we're gonna turn our attention to what's going on at Mississippi State uh, here in a minute. Uh, Matt Wyatt's gonna join. So we get a winner on the Chick Fil A there, Michael. Chuck. Oh, well, Chuck, hadn't heard from Chuck in a minute. Hey, Chuck, congratulations. Chuck, if it's the Chuck we're thinking about, I'd like to hear from you on the telephone. By the way, uh, the answer is Miami, by the way. The Hurricanes, it's up around, what was it, like 54, 55 in a row, something like that. But Georgia goes to Tennessee this week. Tennessee's won 14 straight at home. Say what you want. Maybe this has not been the electric season they were hoping, but they've uh, proven to be pretty tough at home. All right. So, uh, so you got two streaks going. You got Tennessee's home winning streak. And Georgia is on the verge of maybe tying Alabama for most consecutive wins. You know who else streak? Will Ferrell in old school. I know you're a big Will Ferrell fan. You know, again, I'm mixed emotions. I've told you off the air, there are a few movies that people don't even probably recognize. Elf is one of my favorites, as you know. Of course. Elf. It's already being played. Is is Bronner a, a South Pole elf? Is that... He's an angry little elf. He's angry. He's an angry little elf. You used All to right. be, but uh, at times. Yeah. I've mellowed. Did some Christmas shopping yesterday. You did? Come yeah. on. Are you Already? I didn't even give my list. Your decorations are up, though, right? The decorations are up. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, but All don't right. don't let my house You got a little that. crimson tide ornament or something going there? You, that is you exactly have a tree? what you is You set happened. up a tree yet? There is a little tree. Yeah. Uh, real or uh, fake? Fake. Fake. Right. Working on that. 
Uh, Matt Wyatt's next right here on the sports station, WNSP. favorite movies it's it's hard to argue uh top gun 2 is and you a, didn't mention far superior film by the way uh, sylvester stallone you let that one go well there's just so many it's hard to choose i missed top gun 2 really never never saw it i, I re- did you like the first not really all right well that's okay gonna, what do you mean you didn't one, like it the second one is far superior. i mean uh, it's telling, very dated you're on my it's case about ricky bobby and th- th- top gun was far better than that <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that do. one. Great. Yeah, we have fun. All right, let's talk <laughs> about uh, what's going on in Starkville because we we talked Texas A&M about an hour ago. Matt Wyatt. Matt, help us, please. Please. Matt's on top of everything. He's the uh, former quarterback uh, at Prattville, played at Mississippi State, now does the uh, commentary on the Mississippi State radio network. Matt, i got to be right up front. Were you surprised? I was when they – announced that Arnett's not coming back after not even going through a full year? Yeah, Lee, I, I would say that was maybe really the only surprise about it is that it, it, it did not, you know, complete a full season. Uh, that's just something that I know it happens and it has happened at other places, but it, that's just something that hasn't happened around here. You know, like we're we're not used to that. We've had some turnover um, the only other time that I can remember State, you know, in my lifetime going through an interim coach situation was when Dan Mullen left at the end of the 2017 season, took the Florida job, but that was just for the bowl game, you know. Yeah. Um, and Greg Knox was the coach then. So this that was it. But I, I would say that throughout the course of the year, it did begin to look like and, and seem like that a change was was going to come. I would just say that the timing, the fact that it happened that quickly during the season, a little bit of a surprise, sure. Yeah, I I can't remember now. You you might be able to help me on as a coach a, a coach ever been fired before the his first year was up. I can't. Yeah, re- I don't know. Yeah, it's, it would be very unusual. Well, and that's right, Lee. I mean, the whole thing is sort of unprecedented, honestly. When you think about the scenario. Um, and I, I don't think I'm talking out of turn here. You know, number one, what caused all of it to begin with is totally unprecedented. And that is your coach died at the end of the season last year. Um, and on top of that, they had no athletics director at State because John Cohen left in the middle of the football season and went to Auburn. He actually left to go to Auburn the week State was playing Auburn. Yeah. So when when all of that happened, there was no athletics director, and you're dependent on the president to try to figure it out. And you know, people can say that football is the priority at these schools, and it primarily is. But the presidents have a lot to do, <laughs> other than just football, right? So all of that was a really you know a tough situation, and so everybody appreciated Zach Arnett and his willingness to kind of step into the gap and lead the program during that and through all of that. But I'm not convinced that Zach Arnett was like 
actively pursuing the head coach job. I think it was a deal where they come to him and they say, hey, we want you to do this. So, so from the beginning, it, it was all unusual, you know. And then what I would say to my – this is my opinion. I feel like, you know, maybe the first poor decision, maybe kind of a mismanagement of the situation – was the decision right after Zach got the the full-time job back at the first of the year to blow up the Mike Leach offensive coaching staff and kind of send them all on their way and decide to they were going to do not just a transition but a 180, you know, reversal of that offense. And that really started the problems for them, I think, long-term. But is it is it possible, based on what you were just saying, well, I think everybody at Mississippi State was certainly hoping it would work out and they, that Arnett would succeed. Was it simply just a hold this place, potentially, hey, hold this place until we kind of rally the troops and figure out what we want to do long term here? You know, I think that's a natural thought process. And I do think that, you know, maybe maybe that was it. I've never had a direct conversation with Dr. Keenan, the president, to, to know that that was a deal, like it was a, a placeholder. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like that's I don't know how you can at this level of football, how you can honestly go into a situation like that and and decide, okay, this is a one year tryout, you know, right. And and then the other thing, there's this piece of evidence that I just mentioned to you that right after he got the job, you had this entire offensive staff that Mike Leach had put together and assembled and trusted them. There's a lot of loyalty there. Steve Spurrier Jr., Mason Miller, Jason Washington, all these guys, Drew Hollingshead, it all coached together from Washington State to here and all this. And you had an entire senior offensive line returning who'd been playing in the air raid scheme for three years. You had a fourth-year starting quarterback who played in the air raid scheme. It's going to be his fourth year all those pass catchers that you'd recruited for three years that all came because they wanted to catch passes in an air raid system. And as soon as that got the head coaching job, he fired all of them and decided to take a different approach. So that, that piece of evidence right there would kind of lead me to believe that he did not feel like it was a placeholder deal, that he felt like this was his show and he could do what he wanted to with it. So anyway, that's just uh, my observation from my perspective. You know, Matt, I doubt we've ever had a situation where after a game, both coaches were fired. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. So. All right, so all the candidates, you know how that goes. List them all. Of names, oh, forget the names that have been mentioned. Is there somebody you think would be a very good fit for uh, Mississippi State that you'd like to see uh, brought in at least to interview? Yeah, and, and happy to tell you what I think on it, Lee. As long as everybody understands, you know, the the premise of it is this is my opinion. I'm not getting any cues from Zach Selman or anybody at State. And, frankly, Zach is doing this kind of like it, it is totally closed doors and he's not talking to anybody, okay? So <laughs> I don't want anybody to get the idea that I've got some piece of information from Zach and here I am putting it out there. But what we have talked about for a couple of days is – you know, for me, I look at a guy like Jeff Levy. Uh, he has a history, uh, you know, kind of even a relationship history with Zach Selman going back to their days at Oklahoma together. Uh, he spent time in Mississippi on Lane Kiffin's staff, got to know people, did a good job. Now he's back at Oklahoma coordinating the offense. And not been a head coach, but that's one name that interests me. Um, you know, another that interests me, I, we talked about it yesterday, 
if they were to decide that instead of, you know, young up-and-comer who would use it as a stepping stone to the next big job, if the priority would be, hey, is there someone, you know, available that would be right for the job that would come here and not look at it as a stepping stone, that would want to come and coach here and stay here. Joe Judge, the former New York Giants head coach, he's on Bill Belichick's staff, has coached with him forever. He used to coach with Saban. Uh, Joe is a, you know, he played at State. His family's from here. They're wonderful people. He and his wife, Amber, uh, she's got family around here. They went to school here, and they come back a lot. And uh, I would think that if you've been the head coach of the New York Giants, you can get an interview with Mississippi State if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if that's the case, that's a guy you got to talk to also. It's, it, it's just an example. And then I know there's been a lot of talk about the coach at Liberty. Uh, I don't know much about Jamie other than we're the same age. We played against each other in college, and he's had a lot of success at, at a couple different spots. So that's just some thoughts right off the top of my head. A lot of talk about Dan Mullen coming back, right, because of a comment he made earlier this year. Um, can, can, is, would, I, I got to believe that the folks in Starkville would be open to the idea. Do you think Dan yeah. would be open to receptive of that? And, and, and can you can you recapture that magic? Yeah. I, you know, I don't – that's the thing. You know, it's very hard to capture that magic the first time. It certainly would be hard to do it twice in two different stints. Yeah. And he caught it. He caught it that first time when he had Dak Prescott and a bunch of defensive guys, a bunch of first-round, second-round defensive picks, and had a number-one team there for a while. This, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people in and around Starwell that would be open to it just because the experience was so much fun. The program just sort of transformed under his leadership during those nine years that he was the head coach, and you were always good on offense. And you're living in it during an era now where – you, you just you have to be able to throw the ball. You have to be able to do it. You know, 25 years ago it was run the ball and play defense. Now it's throw the ball and play defense. And, you know, he's developed quarterbacks and can do it. So a lot of people would be open to that. Dan is a – he is a very good football coach. He is super intelligent. Sometimes what comes along with that, he can be a little bit of a jerk. But when you – you know, the truth about it is – you know, if you're winning, nobody cares if you're a jerk. Just like if you're losing, nobody cares if you're a nice guy. You know, so uh, there's certainly – and whether or not he's open to it, I have no idea. Matt Wyatt, uh, former quarterback, now the uh, commentator on the Mississippi State Radio Network. So I, we've got through this, and I can't let you go without asking about quarterbacks in the SEC in particular. Where would you put Jalen Milrow now And let's say – top five uh, quarterbacks or how would you list them now since you've seen pretty much most of them quarterback this year uh matt yeah it's a really good question and and also i will say you know calling games for state on the radio means that i actually don't get to see a ton of the games live it's like going back and watching them in replay because we're always playing you know but um i can i can tell you that you know, unequivocally, even before the season began, I think I've got some comments floating around out there that would back it up that I, I'm just fascinated with Jalen Milrow. I don't know how you can't be. You know, and there are other excellent players. If we're doing a list, I mean, Jackson Dart, he was better than he got credit for last year. But that kid at Ole Miss, he is tough, excellent arm strength. He runs well, football player first. I, you know, really like him. 
the kid at Missouri's playing well, the kid at Georgia <clears throat> quietly going about lighting everybody up, you know, obviously Daniel's at LSU and everything he's done. And and I would say that of that group, Daniel's is probably the closest comparison to a guy like Railroad out there in terms of their makeup athletically. But when you're you're talking about a kid who the coaches at Alabama told you before he ever played, he's the fastest guy on our football team. And, and you know, they don't just say that, okay? And so as soon as I heard that from some of those guys, I, my ears perk up. And then you watch him mechanically. He's he's better in terms of, you know, throwing mechanics upper body. He's better than anybody else in that regard. It's part of the reason that he can pump the ball down the field so far so easily. And on top of that, he's just a next-level athlete. And so when people were giving him a hard time early in the year, my thought was, you, you stick with him and just kind of let him learn through it and learn how to play kind of within who he is. And he has started to hesitate less when it is time to run. And he has started to be a little more decisive and he's got a little cleaner in his reads throwing the ball. And you let him, you coach him through that, and you're going to look up someday and you're going to have something that nobody else has. And we're starting to just scratch the surface of it. He is, you can just see it. Once he gets it, he is an absolute nightmare to defend. And I don't know that we have ever, in the modern era anyway, with a guy who can really throw the ball, I don't know that we've seen a quarterback in this league that is as, you know, frankly, just pure on the clock, on the stopwatch, fast as he is. Yeah, and Matt, to to your point, Matt White, our guest here, we, I know we're running long here, we got to go, but I think it, to your point, it's the learning curve that I think is so compelling about Milrow. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, because you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, who who had to learn how to essentially become a more polished passer and, you know, check down and all that kind of stuff. And you saw that over multiple years. Man, w with Milrow, it seems like we're just seeing that over multiple games. Like, you know, he's, he's twice yeah. the quarterback he was at the beginning of the year, and I think that's what people are kind of marveling at. Yeah, absolutely. No, 100%. And they're doing a good job coaching him. I mean, they really are. And he just, he seems to me to be the kind of kid who has that makeup. And he's, you know, he's not making a ton of the same mistakes twice. And that's that whole coachability deal. Yeah. Um, has the leadership. But when I see a guy who can run like that, man, it, it would be, I, I would be a terrible offensive coordinator for him because I'd be tempted to give him an option to run the ball on every play and everybody would hate me for it because you don't, you don't sign with Alabama to go run the ball and play yeah. quarterback. You know, they, they want you to throw it. But he, reminds he me is of, certainly he, incredible. He reminds you of you back in the day, huh, Matt? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Thanks. Appreciate the patronization here all these years later. I'll take it. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you something. I haven't been following Mississippi State that closely. Is Will Rogers back in the lineup now, the quarterback who is about ready to become the SEC's all-time leading passing leader, or is he still out? Yeah, he's still out right now as far as we know. Um, did not play this past week. Uh, was with the team, you know, but just in street clothes. And it continues to be one of these things of doctors trying to clear him. And to my knowledge, he has not been cleared yet. And so here we go into another week this week against Southern Miss where it's like show up on Saturday and find out if he's going to be able to play or not. That game against Southern Miss, usually the, the week before rivalry week is kind of a – soft week for teams but is there a lot of right. interest now southern miss mississippi state it seems to me that would be a big game in the state it, it, it should be and
and listen, in the past, it has been. You know, we played them around 2018, played them in 14, 15. You know, so sporadically, they'll hop back onto the schedule. And it always is a big game. It's always a lot of fun. But it is as, I don't know what you would describe it as, but just as flat as it has been maybe in a long time for this game. And I think part of it is, you know, their fan base kind of got out on their team early in the year. They were really struggling. They've gotten a lot better. Won some games here recently. Won an overtime game last week. But the whole thing was state. You know, it's a home game at state. They're not expecting a full stadium. People were really just kind of had fallen flat with this team, and that's part of the reason they made the coaching change. So it, right now, as of Wednesday, it kind of feels about as flat as it has felt in a long time when you're getting ready to play Southern Miss. Matt, great stuff, man. It's been way too long since we had you on. We really appreciate the time, uh, and I guess there's no rest for the weary. No one loves a coaching search uh, more than the <laughs> SEC, so enjoy. Yeah, thanks, boys. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, yep. Matt. All right, uh, this is your – got a few more hours if you want to register at Wing Fingers at Hillcrest and Cottage Hill at Wing Fingers for the uh, tickets for the Alabama-Tennessee Chattanooga game this Saturday. Uh, if you want to get an opportunity, uh, they'll pick a name later today. We'll announce the winner tomorrow. But the registration box is there if you want to get by there and register. I've been told we're going back to Baumhauer's Victory Grill uh, next Monday. Woo-hoo! Yes, and uh, they got a lot of holiday things going on now. Order your holiday party platters. Uh, if you uh, purchase the uh, uh, gift cards, you get like five extra dollars and, and things like that. Plus, you might want to make arrangements for holiday parties at uh, Victory Grill. So, And we'll talk more about that when we get closer to that. Uh, this is uh, Wednesday, and every day is happy hour, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Ain't no party like a holiday party because a holiday party don't stop. Am I right, boys? Oh, yeah. Let me say, yeah. All right, uh, one final segment of the day. Get my DJ on, Lee. We have fun. He, he offers a lot, doesn't he? Who's that? Our buddy there. Oh, yeah. The, the, Garden, the Garden State. He offers a lot. One final segment. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's going to be a, another terrific show. Okay, here's what we I've lined up. Now, you you have to take care of the other handle to this. Oh, okay. We've wow, got, you know, I'm getting homework. Yeah, you okay, do. Okay, Dad, I've got me. I've got Paul lined up at 7. Your job is to get Jim Harbaugh. We want them both together. Hmm. Can you do it? Let me text him real quick. Okay. Jimmy. His, do you see where? Mark Jim, here. <laughs> yeah, here. A.K.A. See, Connor Stallions. Do you, do you see where his uh, brother John actually uh, spoke out about this? His uh, younger brother Jim said uh, they have nothing substantial on Jim Harbaugh. He's sure that everything's going to work out well. They they have nothing. Yeah. Well, Paul Paul is uh Paul's public enemy number one. So most of the state of Michigan hates him. I know some of you are be like, well, I hate him too. Uh, Rick Flair hates him. Rick Flair went on. Now, how did he get involved in this? Because he's a Michigan guy. So oh, okay. he went after him. Um, actually, 
Paul had a pretty good comeback, if I may say so myself. Uh, let me get the exact quote. And, and remember this, Mark is kind of like a, a pseudo-biographer for yeah, Paul. Yeah, I, I travel and I you follow with I right, Paul, exactly. I follow Paul around. So um, Ric Flair woo, says, thank you, Desmond Howard, for putting Feinbaum in his place. Uh, you're right. Michigan is America's team, and the only person with personal issues is a non-athletic SEC journalist that should leave the great Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football alone. Can you imagine Paul Feinbaum having the nerve to debate football with Heisman Trophy winner Desmond Howard? Outrageous. Go blue. Woo! So, Paul replied, because I got a quote from him, Flair, in his Michigan fandom, is still chasing the success of the SEC as indicated by his behavior a couple years ago with Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. I guess he is right about one thing. If you want to be the man, you have to beat the man. Woo! All right, so if you can't, all right. Wait a minute. So if you can't get Harbaugh, get Flair. That's not that's not too difficult, is it? Uh, See if he wants to come on and debate uh, Paul. You know what? What if we try to get him on tomorrow? Yes. And he, we may not be able to get him to debate Paul, but what, a if different we, what, segment? If, what if we just get him? Oh, Flair. Yeah. Go for it. All right. I'm uh, 8.30. I'm posting. You don't really tweet at anybody anymore. What do Ron, you do? What do you do? Is it, uh, am, I, am I posting at them now? I think you can still say tweet. I still say tweet. All right. Um, Tweety-tum, tweedledum, tweedy-dis. All right. Ric Flair, Nature Boy, here we go. Shoot me a DM, please, sir. Is that nice? Is that how we're going to do this? Just shoot me a DM? Yeah, shoot him a DM. I'm going to shoot him. Should I put a link to the story that that we've written about him so that he knows what it's about? He's still wrestling now? He's not. He's retired, isn't he? Yeah, uh, I don't think he's he physically recently, wrestling. He recently did something like the last year, I think. Kind of a farewell tour. Should I put the link in? Yeah, put the link in. Yeah, get your, get your clicks. All right. I love the way we program on the air. <laughs> love to have you. You can hear, uh, just say shoot you can hear those magic fingers on Mark's computer. I'm working, man. Oh, I've yeah. been accused of, I can't use the word, I hate to say it this way, but pounding the keyboard. Uh, I, I'm not a soft typist. In fact, I've ruined keyboards. So you would never be hired as a stenographer in a courtroom? Just make too much noise? No, I'm a terrible. I didn't say I was a good typist. I can type fast, but it's a lot of errors. Like, I'd be like, oh, slow down. Can you repeat I, that? I do that. I, I'm in terrible. the morning, at 4 in the morning, I, I make tons of errors. Oh, right? yeah, we know. We know. Right, Michael? Oh, yeah. Okay. Tons of them. Yeah. How about Matt Wyatt bringing up Joe Judge as a possibility of that, Mississippi talk State? About a, talk about a blast from the past. He's got a history there, but, uh, man, that would be such a mess. I <sighs> I was going to give you a hypothetical because one of the reasons you know I'm interested in Mississippi State is two former head coaches at South Alabama. I'd love for them to interview Joey Jones. I know they're not going to, and I realize that, you know, that he's – not going to probably be around next year once they bring in the coaching staff. But when he brought up about Arnett, remember what he said that he didn't think Arnett really went after this job. I wonder if they try to bring him back as a coordinator. And, of course, that would be up to the new head coach. Just hire Dan Mullen and get on with it. Oh, see, now that's one. I'm with you. You heard, you heard what he said, and it's so true. Dan Mullen can be a jerk. Yeah, but... You know, and if you talk to the Florida no, people, but he also said he won a lot of games there. Yeah, and if you win, nobody cares if you're a jerk. It's you're like right. Nobody cares if you're. Uh, but at Florida, nice and, you, and you lose. At Florida, he didn't win a lot of games, and he was, to many, a jerk. All right, for all jerks out there, I'm Mark Heim. That's Lee Shervania. That's Michael Bronner. You ever We're see back. That movie, The Jerk, with Steve Martin. Yeah. No. 
That does it for the opening kickoff. We'll be back tomorrow for more shenanigans. Until then, see ya.